0: Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Trigis. I'm joined here today with Bochwanek, the COO of Fort Pines. We have a really exciting and interesting topic to discuss today. But before we get started, I just want to mention that we love questions, so please don't hesitate to ask them. The more interactive, the better. So with that being said, Bob, thanks for joining me today. Uh, to kick things off, why don't we start off with, with your background? I think it'd be great for everyone to, to know a little bit more about uh, about who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, I have a little bit of a strange background for uh, Fund Admin. Um, I'm an engineer who uh, worked, gosh, 15 plus years in electronic manufacturing. So I uh, started off designing uh, electronic products, went into designing processes, uh, went into running factories, mostly overseas, you know, global supply chain, all that kind of fun stuff. And the last five years or so, I, um, I got into contract manufacturing. And surprisingly, after coming back uh, stateside and uh, joining the fund admin uh, industry, I found out that actually contract manufacturing and fund admin have a lot in common. Uh, they're both third-party service providers where, you know, as a service provider, you're building relationships and you're uh, learning to make your, your client's products hopefully better, more efficiently, uh, more cost-effectively than they can, uh, which. you the value proposition of why they would outsource so um, it's been an interesting transition Uh, i find that that most of the things i learned through the rest of my career have applied to this and like i said you know i've been in uh, fund admin now since 2014 great thanks
0: yeah certainly an interesting background to roll into uh to fund administration and and the parallels based on some of the discussions we've had over the years are really striking and uh And it's it's great to see how there is that crossover, despite being in two very different industries. Anyway, uh, thanks, Bob. Um, Let's get started. So I'm sure everyone that's on the webinar is familiar with the accounting shortage in in the market that that we're currently experiencing. It's been well publicized in in major news um, uh, outlets. You know, the bad news is in in some ways it's not going to get any better. If you look at enrollment across accounting majors across uh, our universities here in the U.S., that's also down. So the industry is is really coming to a crossroads um, to, to how we go about and what does that operating model look like as we move forward. But at the end of the day, that's really just the fund admins problem, right, Bob?
1: Uh, Well, it's fund admin's problem until it becomes the GP's problem. You know, if your fund admin starts uh, making mistakes, starts missing deadlines, uh, then it becomes your problem. Um, And, you know, in addition to the the shortage, you've also got, you know, all the regulations now. Um, There's, you know, more talks about increasing burdens of regulation coming down the pike, which is just going to uh, put more pressure on staff. So short staffing and that type of an atmosphere um, isn't a good thing. Uh, also, you know, it becomes the GP's problem if, um, if they're trying to shadow their fund admin, which a lot of firms still do. Um, so now not only is your fund admin having difficulties finding accountants, but uh, you need accountants to shadow them. Um, so this is, you know, this is the type of scenario that we're seeing recently and why we're really seeing a you know uptick in um, the use of uh, co-sourcing to solve the problem.
0: Yeah, interesting. So co-sourcing, that may be a term that um, some folks are familiar with. Some folks may not be familiar with that term. So if you don't mind, can you take a second, take a second and define what co-sourcing is?
1: Sure, sure. So co-sourcing is when the uh, manager licenses the fund accounting platform uh, themselves. So this way they, they own all the data themselves. They own the system themselves. And basically what they do is they provide uh, logins. They provide licenses to the fund admin so the fund admin can uh, go in there and uh, do their work. But it ensures that they're not hundred um, percent, you know, reliant on the fund admin for absolutely anything, everything.
0: Okay, great. So that's that's a working definition that we'll all sort of use as a basis while we talk about it on the webinar. And you know what I'll what I'll also offer is if we have some time towards the end of the webinar, we'll go into some of the advantages of co-sourcing that we've noticed over the years. You know, everything we do in this industry, every decision we make has a trade-off. So understanding what those trade-offs are uh, is really important as you go down this path and trying to figure out whether or not a co-sourcing relationship makes uh, makes uh, sense. And what's interesting, the evolution of co-sourcing over the last 10 years, the reasons for doing it 10 years ago, while they still remain true today, there are other reasons that we'll touch on as well, if we have time, um, that we're seeing today. Uh, so, to the point, to that point. If I'm a GP and I want to own my data and I want to control my own destiny, so to speak, and I decide the co the co shifting mo- or co sourcing model, um, whether I'm outsourced or whether I'm self admin, um, if I want to go down that path, who handles that tr- transition? Is it the GP? Is it the fund admin? Or does the software vendor take care of all of that for me?
1: Uh, Well, it's case dependent, but they can all play a part. Um, So the fund admin, you know, obviously have the knowledge of how they want to do the work day to day, um, but they may not have the resources to dedicate to the full migration and system setup. Um, They also may not have the particular uh, technical expertise in the system that the manager has chosen. And to be honest, a lot of admins don't feel incentivized to go into a co-sourcing relationship because it just makes it easier for the uh, manager to fire them.
0: Yeah that, that's an interesting point that I've talked to a lot of folks with over the year I think years I think one of the advantages in um is is co-sourcing alliance the GP the software vendor and the fund admin in 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 the same direction um, you know, in so you might be asking yourself, well, why is it easier to, to fire or get rid of or move on from your current fund admin? Well, it's literally as easy as turning off a license on Friday and turning a new one on Monday. Now, in practice, it's obviously a bit more complicated than than that. But in theory, that's what you're doing. You know, I think one of the other things I talk about a lot in that scenario is, One of the challenges in this space is is being committed to a data migration process. And in a co-sourcing relationship, if somebody, if a partner isn't delivering for you on the fund admin side, uh, you take that data migration off the table in a co-sourcing relationship. And that's historically one of the biggest mitigating factors as why folks don't want to move um, their, their, you know, from one service provider to another Um, with co-sourcing that eliminates that challenge and risk altogether. So um, it's an important really to think through all of these little details. Um, But that was a little sidebar just to add a little context to that. So so whether a a GP is currently outsourcing or not, it's very likely they don't have a big team. They don't have a ton of excess capacity with regard to their accountants, their human capital that they use to, to execute on their operations platform. Um, so that likely means that they don't have people to move the data into a new platform. So how how about the software vendor? Are they the best folks to handle that data migration and in, in, in movement into a new system?
1: Yeah, well, you know the software vendor can do it, obviously, uh, but their main business is building the software platform, maintaining the software platform, and they usually don't you know want to dedicate a ton of time into doing a, a big custom implementation. Um, which is really what a lot of PE shops need, need, because, you know, they all do business a little differently. So you need it really uh, set up uh, custom for your business. Um, in these cases, you know, a lot of times the, um, the GP or the software vendor will bring in an implementation partner that can, uh, that can help with that transition.
0: Okay, great. So they basically bring a consultant, they're familiar with the platform and they, they, they work through an implementation plan. They help you get the data, maybe not reconcile the data that typically falls on the GP. So if if a software vendor then has a consultant or a partner that they endorse uh, to use and implement the software, that should work, right?
1: Yeah, in the best case scenario, yep, it absolutely will. Um, to be honest, though, the implementation firms have their own staffing issues. You know, usually the people who really have the knowledge um, to uh, to implement the systems the most efficient way are fairly limited. So you're really you're you're counting on a, a key person to do it and they can't do all the work themselves. So um, this is where you have to make a good strategic decision on exactly who you want to partner with, which uh, groups you want to bring together uh, that will allow you to cross this chasm into uh, co-sourcing su- successfully.
0: Crossing the chasm, Bob. You make this sound so dangerous. This is just fund administration, accounting, and operations. So, uh, so I, I appreciate you know that level of excitement that we typically <laughs> don't get in uh, in this world. So, with that said, how does the GP cross that chasm?
1: Well, I think you uh, work with people who've done it before, people who have a playbook for how to do this and how to do it successfully. So um, those would be people who combine the knowledge uh, of the technology, deep knowledge of the technology with the ability to analyze uh, your back office requirements, see how you're operating. And then the willingness to uh, dedicate the proper manpower to it to get the job done. Because as you mentioned, you know, even once you get the system set up correctly and you think you have all the data in there, there's a lot of work left in order to tie it all out and make sure that everything is is working properly before you, you know, before you have your next deadline that you have to meet.
0: Yeah, and that's such a nuanced point, too, that unless you've been through this more than a few times to really understand and where you you take a look at and analyze where folks have failed. Over the years, that's that's a big one. Yeah. Um, so that's that's fantastic, and and all of that sounds great to me. But my question to you is, what does that look like in the real world? Can you share an example or two so folks have something tangible to think about when they start, uh, you know, analyzing whether a co sourcing opportunities the right, um, you know, path for them?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, one scenario that we've been very successful with is when the GPS purchased a software platform. Uh, but due to the workload of their staff and their you know, lack of knowledge in the new system, they haven't been able to implement all the uh, efficiency features that the software has. Because, you know, the, the world doesn't stop turning when you do this. So, you know, you bring this new software in, it seems great. You're going to use it, but you still have your, all, you know, your staff still has all their day to day work. They still have to get reports out on time. Um, And a lot in these cases, you know, a lot of times they fall back on for the more difficult pieces rather than going through the proper implementation, they fall back on what they know, you know, they pull information out into Excel, they manipulate in Excel, they manually, you know, enter it back in the system to get back into their workflows. Um, This is done all the time. And, um, you know, this is this is a situation that actually when we see it, you know, it's good for us because this is something we've gone through a bunch of times. And we know how to know how to deal with. And in these scenarios, you know, we can come in, we have come in, we come in and we look at the system, we look at the setup and we see these areas. We especially look at, Hey, where are you doing things off system? You know, and why did you do that? And we help them um, to design uh, a setup that's more conducive to efficiency and getting all the the features out of the system that they're, you know, they invested so much money in because they usually have. Um, and then another, another successful scenario, um, is when the GPs brought us in along with the implementation partner. So in this case, you know, you've got the implementation, the consultant, they come in, they, they know the system, they design this great, you know, back office, uh, system to make everything efficient. We come in and we kind of try to, we, uh, help with our knowledge of the day to day and, we can come in and say, look, you know, that's a great setup, but really on a day-to-day basis, we need this. We can, we can help to tweak that. We can help to come to a better plan. And uh, even more importantly in these situations where we work with the implementation partner is the manpower. Because like we mentioned earlier, you need a lot of work to make sure that this has been implemented properly. Usually that falls on the GP, and they don't have the staff to go through and do all this while they're doing their day-to-day work. So what we do is we come in and we supplement, we augment their uh, their staffing with with ours, and we do a lot of that work for them. Make sure that we're working in parallel and we get everything up uh, and running correctly. Yeah,
0: so it's interesting, and and, and thanks for that because I think those are really two tangible examples. And and <clears throat> I'd be curious to get your thoughts here so the way i look at it is you know the role that a fund administrator can play that is um that is a bit different both than the the, uh software vendor and say a consulting firm is or a gp if 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 they're not uh, outsourced and they want or if if they want to do this work themselves instead of bringing in a consultant is We have the benefit or fund admins have the benefit of understanding both the operations, the complexity around the operations, as well as the power um, of of the system, because sometimes what we'll, we'll see with software vendors is they'll focus on certain aspects of the system, but in everyday life, the application of that piece of the system isn't nearly as as important to the execution of deliverable deadlines and things like that. Whereas if you go on the other side, if you go to the GP, the GP knows all of those nuances really, really well around their operations, but they don't know how to necessarily use the system. So a fund admin can act as that bridge that connects those two worlds together to say, hey, well, what about this or what about that? And this to us is, is a really powerful way to connect your operations with your software so that you create efficiencies, automation, and connectivity to the best tool within that platform that allows you to execute in, in the best way. Is that, is that a fair way to, to sum it up?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Along with, again, along with the manpower to be able to make sure it's all right and do all the checks that are necessary at the end to make sure you can implement. Yeah, great.
0: Well, to me, those are really good examples um, that you've seen in the market and good feedback for everybody to think about, again, as, as they as they process all of this, this co-sourcing model that we're talking about. In terms of making a decision to go down a co-sourcing path, how long does that typically take? What do, what do you see or what's your experience in that regard?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, these implementations can take a while. Um they're, you know, probably to do it properly a good three to six month implementation. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that you, you know, you need to get into it immediately, but you probably, if you, you think this makes sense for you, you probably need to start thinking about it fairly soon um, because of the implementation, there is, there is a runway there. Um, and then, you know, all the things we started off talking about the accountant shortage, the regulatory burden, you know, that's only going in one direction. The account shortage isn't going to fix itself anytime soon. And, you know, regulations generally only go in one way, the burden is going to increase. So all of that is going to squeeze staff. So if you really, you know, you want to make this transition, you probably ought to start looking into it uh, fairly soon. And um, but the, you know, that's where I'll, I'll turn it back to you in terms of um, how you actually, as we said earlier, how you get across this chasm? Because I know um, you have the experience in, in helping a lot of CFOs uh, get through this and how they get through this within their firm and um, can make this this decision and make it properly.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a good question, and you know we've been helping clients with co-sourcing uh, for about a decade now. We've had a lot of success, and you know it's been an interesting evolution with regard to the reasons for co-sourcing. I think those. Uh, reasons continue, that list continues to get uh, larger and larger as, um, you know, the market changes. And it's really redefining how GP should be thinking about and managing the risk profile, because that's a big part of it, uh, it, it as well. And I'll get into that in a second. But, you know, when we first started out with co-sourcing. It was, hey, let's let's upgrade our technology uh, stack, what we're doing, this, this the QuickBooks world, um, you know, the Excel world, this was great when we are a hundred million or $200 million firm, but now we're multi-billion. So we need a better technology solution. You know, it was then, well, we wanna integrate some of our data across some functional areas. You know, the IR folks need access to the accounting data. So is there a platform where we can all pull from the same world? Um, you know, and even back then, uh, we would talk about it's easier to move on from underperforming service providers, and all of those reasons remain true today. But there is an evolution in terms of what we're seeing and talking about with with CFOs today. I think you know the reality is what we're seeing: we're seeing a massive push towards data. And this integration across not just the IR group and the accounting group or finance group, it's really a firm-wide integration around data because let's face it, Cash will always be king, and and for those that are a little bit older on on the webinar here will probably remember that phrase from the late 90s, early early 2000s, cash is always going to be king. But today, data rivals cash. Everybody wants access to data. They want to automate it. They want to integrate it. So to me, data is our 1A uh, to cash. Um, and those are strong reasons as we as we look at how to integrate different platforms, um, connect platforms to, to move that data that everybody so, so wants to, uh, to get access to. You know, the reality is today, regulatory pressures are much greater than they were 10 years ago around data. Well, what's a good way to address some of those pressures? And what are some of those pressures? Well, some of those pressures are the SEC is, has proposed getting information to them at a much faster velocity than we've historically done. And in in a non-co-sourcing relationship, you have to depend on folks to get that data to you. In a co-sourcing situation, you have access, full access to the system to go get that data so you don't have to wait on people to get it for you. So that's a really um, big advantage in a co-sourcing relationship. Another interesting um, thing that came out towards the end of last year with regard to proposed regs is this ongoing service provider diligence and what that looks like. Um, One of the things that they focused on was putting in mitigating strategies around um, your, your service provider. And to me, what better mitigating strategy can you put in place than having direct access to your data, having direct control over your data at the end of the day. So those are really two big reasons today that we're seeing that are very different than say seven to ten years ago. Is the regulatory pressure around um, um, you know your data and how you get access to and the things that you have to do. So those are some of the you know reasons that that we share with folks as to why co-sourcing makes sense and some of. I think you know, as a CFO goes and, and speaks to his magic partner, the discussions that they're having around that. So, let me see here. We've got a couple of questions. Uh, I like the questions, so thanks, thanks, folks. Um, so, Bob, I'll throw this out to you, and if you have a view, great, jump in there. And if I do, I'll, I'll mention this as well. So, is there an industry group or a peers uh, group on the GP side that a person can go to on lessons learned about co-sourcing to see how others? have uh
1: have done it. Well I'm gonna let you jump in then because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really aware of one.
0: <laughs> yeah no I'm 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 not aware of an industry group. What I would do is um I would go to there are some CFO uh Slack channels that you can get access to. I don't know them because I'm not allowed in them as a fund service provider. I know there's um, the the PECFOA CFO, I think it's a First Republic CFO networking group. Um, I would go to anything like that and and ask the question. You're you're bound to get an answer from somebody, but that's that's where I would start to, um, you know, to go to answer that question. Um, Here's a good question is there an ideal profile for uh, a co-sourcing client? Uh,
1: Ideal profile, I think. um, Ideal profile would be one, someone who has already implemented a system um, who has is now looking into outsourcing. So rather than thinking about, you know, as most people would, turning the data over to the admin. How do I implement this? How do I get everything into the admin's admin's world? Um, you got a different thing to think about now. If you if you like your system, you're really just looking for the admin and have your admin come in. And then as a scenario I mentioned earlier, hopefully an admin that knows the system well and can actually help you uh, get better use out of it. I think that's that's one uh, excellent uh, excellent candidate. I don't know. I, do you have any?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that, that that's a great example. I think the other thing that we see a lot from a profile is what size makes sense. If you're, you know, a new manager or you're, uh, you know, I think the number is about a 750 million in, uh, in terms of assets, anything below that, I think it probably becomes cost prohibitive. But again, it really starts with what are the goals? What do I need? And then the trade-off, Does, is it is it worth paying a little bit more to have access to all my data or not? Um, that's the decision each GP will make on their own based on their own circumstances. But anecdotally, what we see is once you hit that $750 to $1 billion range, that's where folks really start asking themselves, what's what's the right model going forward? So I don't think it's predicated on industry. I don't think it's, there's a difference between venture or buyout, you know, secondaries fund. None of that really matters. It's really the size and um, the access that you need to that information that really dictates whether or not um, co-sourcing is a good fit for you. So I think all of that collectively is the starting point um, to understanding whether or not you're, you're a potential a uh, profile that fits or not. Um, here's a question: How long has co-sourcing been around? Um, you know, it sounds like we're hearing more about it uh, today than ever before. Why is that?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think uh, it's been around for, like you said, about at least 10 years uh, when we started doing it. I think um, fund admins generally uh, generally fought it back then for the reasons we said, you know, they wanted full control and they want to be able to use their exact processes and their exact system in-house, which makes sense. It makes sense from an efficiency standpoint. Um, but I think we're hearing a lot more about it now um, for the reasons we talk about that, you know, there, there's been this uh, reluctancy to outsource in the U.S., you know, we're still only like 50% of all the business is outsourced um, in, in private equity or the private markets in the U.S. So I think a lot of that uh, reluctance has been that giving up control, giving up control of your data, giving up control, of, you know, you know um, your systems and your ability to, to integrate systems. So um, what co-sourcing has provided is, hey, we can outsource and still keep control of this. So I think that's why it's getting a lot more traction. Yeah. it's To me,
0: I'll, I think all of that's fantastic. And I'll just add to that. I think it's a natural evolution of the industry. If you think about the world that we live in, 10 years ago, we were 30% outsourced. We were very set in certain ways. That model continues to change, continues to evolve. And if you think about what is the best world, is it outsourced, is its is it self-admin, or is it a combination? I look at co-sourcing, quite frankly, as a combination of both self-admin as well as outsourcing. So to me, you, you try to put the best of both worlds forward. So when I look at co-sourcing, it really is the evolution of the market that we're in and, and seeing that, that hybrid of the two come together. And that's what uh, is, is exciting to me when I think about the future and where all of this is going. Um, here's another question. This is a good question. Is all co-sourcing created equally, or are there different levels of quality or types of features? Are there features I should be
1: looking for, or cho- choices I will need need to make? Oh well, yeah, that's, that's a lot of stuff. But of, of course there are. Um, I think I think the first thing you know you want to look at when you look at co-sourcing is basically. Uh, Regardless of who does it, as we talked about earlier, whether it's an implementation partner, whether you handle some of it yourself, whether you bring in an admin or the software vendor to help, um, but you need someone to really look at your systems and what you're doing and what makes the most sense for you. Like like we said earlier, you know. Uh, P back offices are so customized; they all do things uh, their own way, and you really have to look at everything on a case-by-case basis and break it down and say, "Look, this is the, map it out. These are all the systems we're using. These are the systems you know that we want to keep. How are we going to? If we implement this, how are we going to um, make all these things play nice together? How is it all going to work together? What you know? What functions um, do I want to outsource? What functions do I want to keep in house?" Um, and this is, you know, that's what make that decision very difficult, um, but um, but very rewarding if you get it right, because you can get all these things to to work well together, get everything to work so smoothly, and, and increase your efficiency from where you are are today by making these uh, decisions correctly.
0: That sounds like it's quite involved to uh, uh, quite involved of a process to go through. You know, do you have any? guidance with regard to how long that, that could take or usually takes to go through that process. And I know that's a little bit nuanced, it's very specific, yeah. but maybe some general guidelines would be
1: great. Well, to be honest, if you really wanted to, if you needed to get it done, I think, um, I mean, I think the analysis and designs phase would take a month. Um, and then at the, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, you could get the, uh, the implementation done over the course of a quarter for the most part I mean unless you're really doing some you know high-end technology integrations um, but the reality is people usually aren't in that much of a hurry and they usually don't really try to jump into it that quick so usually we see the decision phase you know being a good three to six months um, you know so, so it's it doesn't have to be that long it's not it, that's not because of just the work but it's because you know like we said earlier the world doesn't stop turning so you've got a lot of other stuff going on at the same time. So um, it takes a little while to get this all mapped out and, then, and make the decision.
0: Yeah, um, fantastic. Just staying on this theme quickly. I know we're, we're, we're running out of time here. But what you just described, who are the parties involved? Will you, would you involve all of the parties, the consultant, um, the software vendor, you know if there's a fund ad, the fund admin, the fund admin, as well as the GP themselves,? You know, or do you think it's just the fund admin and how, how does that work? Maybe give a little context
1: there. Uh, I think in, in best case, if you're going to utilize all those parties, you would involve them all. You want and anyone who's going to participate, you want involved. But the reality is, you know, people usually don't uh, bring everyone in like that. In that case, you would you would you know, if you're going to leverage your consultant, you would work with your consultant to to really map out the, the, the basics of it. And then you would loop in the software and the uh, admin to finalize the details but you know however you want to start that initial conversation it could be us you know the admin we can go in and do that for somebody um, but it but it really that's as a complete preference of who's doing it but in the end you definitely want all three parties to finalize all the details to make it work right okay great
0: well that does it for time um, so thank you Bob very much appreciated uh, great insight um, some really good nuance provided in the conversation. So we appreciate that. So thanks for taking the time to do that. And thanks to everybody that that joined us. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. We're, we're happy to have a conversation, share more insights and get into a bit more detail. So thanks everyone. Have a great rest of the day and uh, we'll see you all soon.